you, Sam and Sharon. Oh, holy night. And I am grateful that the flute can hit notes I cannot. Amen. And so, praise the Lord. Uh, thank you for ministering in music. What a beautiful season, what beautiful music of the season uh, that we have the opportunity to enjoy as well. 1 Corinthians 13 is where we are this morning. Let me ask you this as we get started. What is the greatest gift that you have ever received? I want you to think about it. What is the greatest gift that you have ever received? Now, if you're a Christian, salvation should be up there. Amen. But let's talk in more of an earthly realm. Maybe it's something you received from a family member or a friend. What is the greatest gift that you have ever received? I thought about it, and I think I figured mine out. I think the greatest gift that I have ever received, Amy and I have been dating for about eight or nine months and I was at her parents' house, and we had met three or four times, and her dad asked me, well, if you're going to be around for Christmas, what do you want for Christmas? And I thought about it, and I said, yeah, let's go for it. I said, sir, what I would like for Christmas is permission to marry your daughter. And he went blink, 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 <laughs> but like a sweater or... Um, Oh, so that turned into a longer conversation. But praise the Lord, both he and she said yes. And so I think for me, that was probably my greatest Christmas present that I've received. And, and you know, you think about over the years, and, and, and probably a lot of memories, a lot of uh, things that we can point back to in our lives. You know, think about this. God is so good to us, amen? We talk about our salvation. You think about the gift of our salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. There was nothing we could do to merit that or earn that or deserve that. There's no way that we can pay for that. But you think of the gift of our salvation. And you think about how God just keeps on giving. Not only does he save our soul, but then he sends the Holy Spirit of God to live within us. Not only does he send his spirit to live within us, but the Savior promises he'll never leave us or forsake us. He's given us his word, amen. Brother Frank mentioned that a few moments ago. You realize how much of the world doesn't have one verse of this in their language. And you and I, we have multiple copies in print. We have them on our phones, on our tablets. We, we listen to it on the radio. It's, it's all over the place, amen. And God's given us his word. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. He blesses us abundantly. You know, the Lord's prayer is, is to, to ask for our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. But you know, most of us don't really have to pray that prayer, do we? I mean, some of us shop for groceries a month at a time. Why? We're blessed. God has been so very good to us. But as we consider gifts and gifts from God, our study of 1 Corinthians this year has led us to the part of the book where we are considering and studying how God in His grace has gifted His children to minister in and through the body of Christ. God has gifted the church to be the church. Amen? But what we have learned when we turn the chapter from 12 to 13 is that the greatest gifts are vain, empty, and profit nothing without love. 
In fact, the chapter starts, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity or love, it profiteth me nothing. Now, church, we have to understand when the Bible talks about love, the Bible is not talking about love like the world loves. When the Bible talks about love, it's an extension of how God loves. That, that it is helpful in that we saw last week that it suffereth long and is kind. It's humble in that it vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, and doesn't seek her own. This love is also holy. It thinketh no evil. It rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. This love isn't as the world loves. This love is an extension of how God loves. This love isn't a feeling or a warm fuzzy. This love isn't about me. The love that we see in Scripture is the willing, sacrificial, unconditional giving of oneself for the benefit or best of others without expectation of return. This love is a choice. It is a spirit-filled choice. And that is why, ladies and gentlemen, I can even choose to love my enemies, just like Jesus said. Now, this will be the final Sunday of this year that we're going to be in 1 Corinthians. We're going to be doing some other things for the next couple of weeks. But in this last sermon from 1 Corinthians this year, we're going to look one more time at love and see how if we are going to be the church and if we are going to be the Christians that God wants us to be, then love truly is one thing that we cannot go without. So let's look at how Paul ends this chapter. Let's pick up in verse number 8. Paul wrote this. Read it in unison. Let's read through 8 through 10 together. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Let's talk about love this morning. First of all, charity never faileth. Number one, love provides an unfailing strength. Love provides an unfailing strength. Paul here contrasts the unfailing power of love with the impending failure of some of the other gifts. He mentions here specifically prophecies, tongues, and knowledge and declares that all of them in some capacity will fail and fall away. He, he gives different words here. Uh, the word fail has the idea of wither and die like a leaf. When it comes to tongues, he says they shall cease, which means literally that tongues will be put out of business. And knowledge or prophetic knowledge, he says, will vanish away. 
Now, Paul highlighted these because these are what we call sign gifts. Or they were given by the Holy Spirit as a sign to validate the message of preachers and Christians before the Bible was complete. In verse number 10, it talks about, but when that which is perfect or whole, complete is come, that's this book right here, amen? It's done. Then that which is in part shall be done away. So now we're going to develop this a little bit more in 2024 because 1 Corinthians 14 delves into this a little bit more and what some of these gifts were and weren't and all that good stuff. So come back next year, amen? But for today, the point is clear. Paul says, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit says that some gifts will fail and go away completely. They're going to die and weather like a leaf. They're going to be put out of business. Some are going to fail and go away completely. Some giftings may come and go. Never forget that it is the grace of God that gifts us and that God gifts us according to His pleasure. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse number 11 reminds us, but all these worketh that one and selfsame spirit, and what does the spirit do? He divides these gifts to every man severally as he will. That means the Holy Spirit is the one that decides how these gifts get distributed and when they get distributed. Some opportunities to use certain gifts may come and go. I've talked to many a believer who would look and consider gifts and say, boy, I, I, I really wish I could fill in the blank. Or I've talked to many believers who would say, you know, well, I used to be able to. But you know, Paul is illustrating how foolish it can be to get hung up on specific gifts. I've known some believers that feel that because they can't do something for whatever reason, that now they feel like they can't do anything. But beloved, that is not the case. Gifts may fail. Love does not. Opportunities may lapse, but love does not. And for us in the church, the emphasis can never be more on the gift than it is on the grace to operate in love in every season and in every circumstance. Here's the beautiful thing. No matter your station in life, you have an awesome avenue to impact the world around you. And it's called L-O-V-E. You say, preacher, I don't have a lot of money. That's okay. You can have a lot of love. You say, preacher, I don't have a lot of skills in, in talking in front of people. That's okay. You can have a lot of love. You say, preacher, well, I don't have the musical skills like those young people had. That's okay. You can have a lot of love. Amen. You say, preacher, I struggle sometimes to, uh, to, to be able to physically do things. I can't go out into the community and invite people to church like I used to. And, and I, can't, I can't do this like I used to or that like I used to. I just feel like, it's, uh, like, like I'm, I'm not the person I used to be. Boy, we ought to, boy, it'd serve us well, wouldn't it, to quit looking at what we don't have. 
Because no matter your station, you have an awesome opportunity to impact the world around you. And that is through love. You want to make a difference? How many of us want to make a difference? Want to make a difference? Love however you can, whoever you can, whenever you can, for the glory of God. I tell you, it's the coolest thing. I get to see a lot of things as pastor that not a lot of people get to see. And so especially in this season, I, uh, I've had opportunities to play Santa Claus. Sometimes people just leave things in my box with a note that says, make sure you give this to such and such. And, and, and I'll go and I'll deliver the card or whatever it is to such and such or whoever. And they'll say, who's this from? And I'll say, I don't know. Somebody who loves you. Merry Christmas. Isn't that cool? I get to do that a lot, actually. I don't know why I get to be Santa, but, but I do, I guess, in that way. And pass out those things and, and be a conduit of people's love for others. I get to see that. I get to see people serve. I get to see people connect with one another in fellowship. I, I get to see people do things. So, so let me give you this. So on Monday and Tuesday of this past week, like I was just kind of dreaming out loud. It'd be nice if we had a little more, and I know it's a dirty word, but I'm going to use it. It'd be, it'd be nice if we had a little more storage for certain things here at Harvest, okay? I'll not, if, if, if you say that I said the word storage, I'll deny it. We're getting it off of Facebook. We're actually going to remove that, that one word from Sermon Audio. But I was telling some people, boy, it'd be nice if we had a little more storage here at Harvest for some things. We got stuff tucked in some precarious places. OSHA would not be happy with some of the ladders we have to climb. Mm-hmm. We're going to eliminate that from the sermon as well. <laughs> and I was just kind of dreaming out loud. I said, well, maybe we can do this, or maybe we can do this. But then the Lord took that dream and laid it on some people's hearts. And all of a sudden, I thought I'd just dreamed out loud and kind of gotten it off my chest. And who knows what the Lord might do in a year, two years, or three years. And now all of a sudden, this dreaming out loud became a burden for some people. And Lord willing, in a month or so, there'll be a 24 by 24 building out there paid for. <laughs> because people said, you know what? That would be a great way for us to serve the church. And I get to see these things. You know, sometimes we think that the spiritual gifts and making a difference for God, well, you got to be a preacher or a teacher or a missionary or a Sunday school teacher. you got to be able to sing. you gotta be, you got to be real personable and charismatic and all those things. No, 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 no. You want to make a difference? Love. Let me ask you, how can you show love to somebody today? Who can you show some love today? Because the beautiful thing is, love provides unfailing strength. Charity never faileth. But charity not only provides unfailing strength, charity or love also provides an unavoidable standard for us as well. Did you notice verse 11? Paul said, when I was a child, 
I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So Paul lays it out. Charity doesn't fail. Tongues will fail and prophecies will fail and strength will fail and finances will fail and health will fail and wisdom will fail. All of these things may, may fail in time or, or, or opportunities may come and go, but charity never fails. But then after laying that groundwork, Paul kind of twists the knife a little bit. He, he points out here that, that things ought to change when you grow up. Some things are just meant to come to an end in childhood, and by the way, that's okay. I am very glad that I have matured to the place where the vast majority of the time, I don't need anybody to feed me, amen? I don't need anybody to clothe me. I don't need anybody to clean me. I'm glad that I've matured to the place uh, where that is no longer a part of my daily routine. That has stayed in childhood. I'm also glad I'm not back in middle school and high school. Can I get an amen? amen. Oh, my word. I wouldn't go back there for anything. Oh, I'm so glad that that came to an end. Amen? And so there are some things that are just meant to come to an end in childhood. They were fine for the season, but we really shouldn't still be bringing them with us or engaging in those practices once we're mature and grown. By the way, you can look at it from the other end. There are some marks and standards of maturity. When you're grown, by and large, especially men, you ought to get a job. Families, you ought to pay your bills. Everybody, you ought to be a constructive member of church and community. We ought not be those that just sit around and, and receive and receive and receive and receive. We ought to be giving back, amen? We ought to be building up, amen? If a church gets full of a lot of whiny baby Christians, they'll suck the church dry. What marks of maturity as you grow? Get a job. Pay your bills. Become a constructive member of the church and community. If video games are still a mark of your life, we may have problems. If your hobbies and your buddies are more important than your bills, we may have problems. Problems. Because there are just some marks and standards of maturity that we, we ought to still recognize in society. But you know, when Paul lays out here the standard of maturity in the Christian life, the standard of maturity in the Christian life is love. It is the choice to willingly, sacrificially, unconditionally give oneself for the benefit or best of others without expectation of return. And so Paul looks at this church and he says in love, hey guys, it's time to grow up a little bit. You're fighting and whining and complaining about gifts and well, I have this gift and my gift is better than your gift and I can do this and I'm better than you and we're fighting and bickering about all these silly things. Guys, guess what? Grow up. Grow up. You know, I think as well that that problem's not just isolated to Corinth. There are a whole lot of immature believers who call themselves mature because they have some gift. 
because they have some position, because they have some knowledge. We can go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and, and be reminded about how Paul assessed this church. Verses 1 and 2 of 1 Corinthians 3, Paul said, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. He said, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither are ye now able. Paul said, look guys, you ought to be grown up by now, you ought to be matured a little, but you're still babies. You're still babies. Well, if you want to know what one of the marks, one of the standards, one of the evidences of maturity in the Christian life is, it's pretty simple. It's love. And may I say plainly this morning, if you are not operating in love, I don't care how great your gift is. I don't care how much money you give. I don't care how many people you influence. If you are not operating in love, you are part of the problem. Why? Because love is the standard. Love is the standard for how we build each other up. First Corinthians, uh, Ephesians 4 and verse number 16, it talks about how the body builds itself up, every part doing its job. Go to the end of the verse, Liz. And when we all do our job, what happens? The body, it makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. That's the standard for how we build up the church. Love is the standard for how we build up each other. Love is the means by which we ought to deliver God's eternal truth. One verse before, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15, Paul says this, But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. You know what? Love gives the truth. Amen? That's one of the real problems with the love of this world. It does not give the truth. It is willing to sacrifice truth for just about anything. God's love gives the truth, amen? But I'm going to tell you, there are some people who think just because they're given the truth that they're mature Christians. There is no crown in heaven for the jerks for Jesus club. We give the truth how? Give the truth in love. Love is also the foundation by which we remain faithfully grounded in Christ. Ephesians 3 and verse number 17, the Bible talks about how uh, we, we ought to be rooted and grounded there in His love. Love is the filter through which we process difficulties in relationships. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 8. 1 Peter 4 and verse number 8. Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Why? For charity covereth the multitude of sins. How many of us recognize that there will be problems in church? Yeah? You know why there will be problems in church? Because I'm here. And because you're here. And people plus personalities equal problems. It gets worse. Isn't that what you want to hear on a Sunday morning? It gets even worse. Because you see, not only do we bring our personalities with us, we bring our old sinful flesh too. We bring our sinful flesh. 
I'm going to mess up. You're going to mess up. There's going to be issues we have to work through. But what allows us to work through the difficulties? 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 8. You saw it. What covers the multitude of sins? Charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Love is the undeniable measure of the entire Christian life. Matthew 22, beginning in verse number 36. Jesus was asked the question, Master, what is the great commandment in the law? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of commandments. But Jesus, what's the greatest one? Jesus said this, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. But Jesus didn't stop there. He said, this is the first and great commandment. He said, the second, verse 39, is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then look at his summary in verse 40. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. Galatians 5.14, we see another summary statement. For the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You see all of the thou shalts and thou shalt nots. You know what those are? Those are God's guiding principles, God's laws that do what? That teach us how to love God like we ought. And teach us how to love others as we ought. Love provides an unavoidable standard. If you're not growing in love, let me say in love this morning, you're not really growing like you think you are. And so what do we do? Well, when we were a child... We spake as a child and understood as a child. We thought as a child. But when we became a man, when we grew up, we are moved to put away childish things. So what do we do? Well, church, it's time to grow up. Amen. Stop making excuses. Put away the childish things of our past and love others as God has loved us. So love provides unfailing strength. Love, it provides an unavoidable standard. It is the mark and measure of maturity. But let's look at this last thing this morning, verses 12 and 13. Paul said this, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. Would you read verse 13 in unison? And now abideth faith, hope, Charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Number one, church, what do we find? Love provides what? Love provides an unfailing strength. You want to make a difference? Find somebody to love. Amen? Number two, love provides a what? An undeniable standard. You want to see how you're growing in faith? How are you growing in your love? That provides a pretty good measure. But finally, this morning, we see not only that love provides an unfailing strength and an undeniable standard, but Paul teaches us that love provides unmatched significance. Paul here gives a contrast in verse 12 between our current state, where our perspective is clouded, 
And he contrasts that with a future state where we will see clearly. He, he references here, his illustration is the mirrors of his day, which were, which were like beaten bronze and polished bronze. And so they could become clouded and they could become warped. Our glass mirrors today provide a, a pretty good reflection. We can see things pretty clearly, but it wasn't always the case back then. It was a little bit distorted. It was a little bit cloudy. You could pretty much make out what was going on, but you really couldn't see everything. And Paul likens that to our current state spiritually. Where you know we don't have all the answers, do we? We, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what God is doing when He places us somewhere and equips us to work in the church and community for His glory. We don't see it clearly on this side, but praise God, one day we will. But until we get there, Paul points out three abiding things. Faith, hope, and charity or love. And then he makes the statement, but the greatest of these is love. Now church, give that some thought because faith is pretty important, amen? Faith is pretty important. It is by faith that we are saved. And by the way, that's first, isn't it? We're not going to get to any of this other stuff until we're saved. Paul said, by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I want to ask you this morning here, a week before Christmas, are you sure you're saved? You know, we talk about gifts, and uh, many of us will probably open gifts on Christmas morning, and it'll be a wonderful time, but, but really all of this is a celebration of the greatest gift that's ever been given, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I said it earlier that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, there is no heaven without Jesus. There is no heaven without Him. And it's not Jesus plus going to church. It's not Jesus plus trying to do good works. It's not Jesus plus baptism. It's not Jesus plus my good outweighing my bad. It is Jesus plus nothing. <coughs> it is putting my faith in the Son of God and His death, burial, and resurrection for me. I want to tell you, if you're here this morning and you don't know where you stand with God or you know your soul's not right with God, I'm going to tell you, this Christmas season, there is no greater gift that you could receive than salvation through the Lord Jesus. Amen. Why would you leave that gift unwrapped? Why would you leave that gift unclaimed? I mean, let's be honest, guys. We already know, as David Wyrick mentions every year, that many of our gifts will be t-shirts and unmentionables. And we're going to open them anyways. We already know that relative is going to knit us something or, or, or give us that fruitcake again. How many of you actually get fruitcakes? Anybody? How many of you eat fruitcakes? All right. There you go. There you go. Those of you who don't, I hope you took a quick survey. <laughs> and we'll, we'll receive these gifts. Some of them, we don't even know what we're going to do with. But we'll let the greatest gift that has ever been given just sit unclaimed, unwrapped. If you're here this morning and you've never received the Lord Jesus as your Savior, get it settled today. In just a few moments, we're going to have what we call a time of invitation. And what that means is you are invited to respond to God.
And if you have any questions about what that means, I want you to get my attention, get someone's attention, and let us take God's word and show you the greatest gift that has ever been given, the Lord Jesus Christ. But faith is pretty important, isn't it? Faith is first. But, But faith isn't the only thing that's important. Hope is pretty important. It's by hope that we press on and go forward. But even lined up against faith and hope, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, makes this statement. But the greatest of these is love. Think about it with me. Go back to the first. When you put your faith in the Lord Jesus And remember that it was the love of God through Christ that gave you something to put your faith in in the first place. Think about the hope that lies before us. And remember that it is the love of God that gives us something to look forward to. And remember that it is the love of God to us and through us that provides unmatched significance in life and ministry. You want your life to mean something? You want your life to make a difference? Find somebody and love them like God loves you. Let me give you a couple of ideas. All right? Why don't you start at home? Start at home. Ephesians 5 verse 25 reminds us this. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Men, maybe our wives don't need another appliance or another ring or another necklace. Maybe they need us to love them like Christ loves us. But wives, lest you think you're off the hook, Titus 2 and verse number 4 reminds us what? They may teach the young women to be sober and to love their husbands and to love their children. You know, maybe more than our husbands need need a new pack of white t-shirts, maybe they need us to love them. Maybe more than our children need a new PlayStation. They need us to love them like God loves us. You know, if we're going to start seeking to, to, to live with significance and live with love, maybe we start at home. Maybe we start at church. John 13, verse 34 said this, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. You know, sometimes church is hard. And sometimes church is hard because we don't always get along. Sometimes it seems in some churches, praise the Lord, it's not, it's not that bad here, but the termites in that wall won't talk to the termites in that wall. Maybe if we're going to love, maybe we need to start with loving one another. Maybe there's somebody in this congregation that we need to find and we need to love for the glory of God and love them like God loves us. Start with your home. Start with your church. Start with the lost. You know, sometimes we're burdened for people to get saved, amen? We want them to share our faith, and sometimes if we're not careful in our zeal, 
to have them share our faith, we'll take this Bible and we'll try to beat it into them by force. But maybe if we want them to share our faith, perhaps we should start by showing them God's love. Start with home. Start with church. Start with the lost. Find a group. Find a group you can love. I mean, I, I, I see there are, there are groups of people who love on the kids here at this church. Some of them teach. Some of them help. Some of them give, give out the little candies. I was talking to somebody this past week, and they were talking about how, how they have the little candies, and the kids will come get them. And, and I still remember as an uh, almost 30-something-year-old man, I still remember my third-grade Sunday school teacher, Mr. Fred Lawson. And Mr. Lawson would pass out, you remember those little red striped peppermints? They had the real crinkly wrapper. My parents hated that wrapper, but we loved them peppermints. And Mr. Fred Lawson, he, he was known as the candy man in church. But he just loved on kids. And you know what? Decades later, his love is not forgotten. His compassion is not forgotten. And all it was was a little cheap piece of candy. Find a group. Love on the kids. Love on the teens. You know, maybe it's our missionaries. Charles talks all the time about our missionaries and opportunities to love on them and connect with them. You think think it's easy being halfway around the world during the holidays? Love on our missionaries. Love on the people in your neighborhood. Love on the senior saints. The people who can't maybe clean up their yards like they used to or do for themselves like they used to. Just get a heart for somebody. And just love on them for the glory of God. You know, maybe you can't do a whole lot financially. Maybe you can't bake and maybe you can't work. How many of you remember Gloria Mott? Gloria Mott, her health was not well for a long, long time. But you know what she did on a regular basis? She put a card in the mail. A card, a note, a stamp, sometimes a bookmark for the kids. What what seems as perhaps an insignificant action left an impact that's not forgotten. Find somebody and love them like God loved you. Can I challenge us tonight? This morning, whatever it is. It's still this morning. Don't worry. I haven't been going that long. (laughs) We talked about start at home. Start with church. Start with the lost. Find a group. Find the forgotten. You know, Jesus came, fill in the blank, to seek and save that which was lost. Find the forgotten. You know, there's some men and women in our jails and in our prisons that are forgotten. There are some young people in juvenile that are forgotten who desperately need the love of God just like you did. Find the forgotten. You know, there are groups of people 
in our world today, whether because of life decisions, sexual sin, addiction, go down the line, you can tell that sin has wreaked havoc on their life. But can I tell you, there is not a person on this planet who does not need the love of God. And let me ask you, how are they going to come to hear and to experience it if the body of Christ isn't willing to give it? Jesus said that he would leave the ninety and nine to go find the one lost lamb. Maybe, church, just maybe we need to be a little more intentional about loving those that are forgotten. It is the love of God to us and through us that provides unmatched significance. Faith is great. Hope is great. But the greatest of these is love. And remember, all of this discussion of love is is wrapped up in the, the discussion of Christian life and church life and spiritual gifts and how do we work together and relate together. Here's the thing. Let me sum it up this way. Stop maybe this. Maybe stop trying to figure out your gift and just find someone and somewhere to love. And maybe, just maybe, when you find someone to love, you will find that you are loving them through your gifts. Church, as we, in this chapter, there is no greater gift than love. I'm going to tell you, there is no greater thing that you can give for Christmas than to love, than to love your spouse, than to love your kids, than to love your church, than to love your community. Love them like God loves you. I'm going to tell you as well, there's no greater thing you can receive than love either. If you're here this morning and you've never received the Lord Jesus as your Savior, oh, how I ask if you get it settled today. Don't leave this place without knowing what God has done for you and without knowing that it is yours. The greatest gift is love.